Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. And today I'm very excited to be speaking with Father Lawrence Liu, a Dominican who I've been following for a long time on Twitter, and Catherine Jean Lopez loves retweeting him and a lot of his different posts. He serves as the promoter general of the Rosary. He is the rector of London's Rosary Shrine, the prior of St. Dominic's in London, a media missionary, and a sacred art photographer. So welcome to the show, How They Love Mary, Father Lawrence. Thank you very much, Father. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, in that little biography, which actually I just took from your Twitter page, at Lawrence OP, you say that you are a sacred art photographer. And this is really how I first came to know about your work and all of that is just the beautiful pictures that you'll post from places you visited or from the Rosary Basilica that you are the rector of. But where, when did this hobby, when did this passion for taking pictures, photographs begin, and then did it transition maybe from secular things to religious, or was it always a religious uh, religious hobby? Well, it, it was always a religious thing, and, and it began really with uh, uh, when I was in university, and I would sing in the choir, which was a choir that sang sacred music, um, but we were mainly uh, secular, non-religious people. I was probably the only Catholic in this choir. But we would be singing in some of the most beautiful churches and cathedrals in the British Isles. And my atheist friends, my non-Christian friends, used to love these buildings. But I noticed that they wouldn't quite understand the symbolism behind the art. They wouldn't understand what the building is about and what it actually points to, which is God, who is beauty itself. And so I've always wanted to create uh, some kind of forum in which I could uh, take photographs of these beautiful details and artwork and churches and explain something about them so as to direct people to God so that we can see uh, the, you know, clearly who it is that these artists were trying to glorify. Um, and so when I entered the novitiate, uh, the Dominican novitiate in Cambridge in 2005, uh, and knowing that this was a city with many beautiful chapels and churches, I thought that probably the healthiest hobby I could have, uh, short of actually doing exercise, was to take up a camera and to, you know, find my way around exploring the city and to take photographs of the stained glass windows and so on. Stained glass has always been my particular love because uh, I love the color, I love the effect of stained glass in a building when the sun shines through the glass. And, and of course, as a photographer, you're trying to capture the beauty of, of light. And stained glass does that very well. It's a very effective way of capturing light, I think. So um, I had this uh, desire to capture as many of these sacred images as I could. And then I would put them up online on Flickr. Um, and I would help, you know, I would correspond the photographs on Flickr with the liturgical date. Uh, or the liturgical readings of the day, uh, and I would sort of give a little commentary to try and explain what people were looking at. And that was my original instinct, and, and it's a, I suppose quite a Dominican instinct to sort of preach with whatever uh, I had at hand to try and help people to understand uh, the imminence of God and to point to God in through beauty. And that's one of the things historically about stained glass windows is that they were called the poor man's Bible, that many years ago, centuries ago, when people couldn't read, they could go into a church and they could see the life of Christ sometimes depicted in the 
in the stained glass windows, or they would learn the stories of the saints. If they couldn't read the saints' lives, well, at least they could look at these images, and then they would know a little bit uh, about the Gospels, about our Catholic faith, and the saints that are in it. Yeah, it, well, indeed, the, the year before I joined the order, I was teaching in a Catholic school, uh, serving the poorest children, really, in the slums of Manila. And whilst I was there, I would uh, tell them, obviously, Bible stories, catechisms, and I decided to use uh, PowerPoint slides to help illustrate uh, what I was teaching. And I realized then that what I really needed was a database, a collection of stained glass images, because these colorful images, it seemed to me, would appeal to children particularly, and be a very nice way to talk about a parable or about a saint, and to use these images uh, to illustrate my talks and to illustrate my, my classes. And so uh, when I began taking these stained glass window um, photographs, I always had this intention to use them in PowerPoint presentations for children, to use them as a way to teach, teach the poor, you might say, but also teach those who couldn't read yet. Um, but, you know, as God would have it, I haven't actually been able to use them in a school setting so far. Um, but the uh, Dominican Sisters of Nashville, Tennessee, the Sisters of St. Cecilia, they've used a huge collection of my stained glass windows in a book that they, that they put together um, a few years ago uh, called A Short Guide to Praying as a Family. It was published by St. Benedict Press. And uh, a beautiful book with over 250 stained glass images that I photographed. Um, and so it was lovely to collaborate with the sisters and to use the stained glass images to help children particularly to, to pray and to, to sort of excite their imagination, their Christian imagination. Well, that's great that there's a book out there because that was one of the things I was going to suggest that maybe you could write a book that you could take these photographs and turn them into a book and then you'd give a description or write a little reflection corresponding to each one. But to know that those Dominican sisters in Nashville have already done that is a great thing. And of course, there's always potential for more, I'm sure. Yes, I'm, I'm going to do a rosary book actually for next year, for 2021. Uh, 2021 is a very significant year for us Dominicans. It's the 800th anniversary of the death of St. Dominic, and it's also the 800th anniversary of the Dominicans coming to England, which is uh, the province that I belong to, the province of England. We've been here since 1221, apart from an unfortunate interruption thanks to Henry VIII. Um, but otherwise, we have been here for quite some time. And so I'm in the process currently of writing reflections for a rosary book, uh, using stained glass images and other sacred art images in my collection. Uh, so hopefully they'll be published uh, in 2021 by the Catholic Truth Society. Wonderful. And talking about the Rosary Shrine, you are the rector of the Rosary Shrine, and that's in London. Now, is it a big church, or what can you tell us about the Rosary Shrine? Is it um, a it's, parish church? When was it founded? You know, kind of yes, the background of that. Um, it's a very big church. It's uh, it's reckoned to be the fifth largest Catholic church uh, in London. Um, and to give you an idea of the size, it has 17 side chapels and uh, 20 altars in total. Uh, so it's a very, very big church with one chapel dedicated to every mystery of the rosary. And in fact, if you go to our website, rosaryshrine.co.uk, um, you can actually... Uh, click on a virtual reality tour. It's um, a beautiful three-dimensional tour where you can actually explore the building and 
have this real sense of walking from one chapel to the next. And in each chapel, there's a beautiful stone-carved altarpiece, um, a three-dimensional sculptural altarpiece that depicts each mystery of the traditional Dominican Rosary, the 15 mysteries of the Rosary. Um, this church was built then um, and completed in the 1880s, and it was uh, built to honor Our Lady of the Rosary. It was part of a vision, really, of a man called Thomas Walsley, who, who was very moved by the apparitions that had just been completed in Lourdes to St. Bernadette. And he said, well, we need something to honor Our Lady of the Rosary for the poor to go to because they can't afford to go all the way to France to visit the Shrine of Lourdes. And so he asked a cardinal at that time if uh, he would, you know, consider building a church dedicated to the mysteries of the rosary. And the cardinal said, well, coincidentally, or providentially, I should say, the Dominican friars are just about to build a new church. They're in enlarging their parish church. Um, so maybe you can ask them because the rosary is their, de de is their devotion because, you know, Our Lady gave the rosary to St. Dominic. So he came to the Dominicans here in an area of London called Haverstock Hill and asked them if they would, you know, consider doing this. And amazingly, the friars agreed to build this beautiful, huge church with its special rosary chapels. And when it was opened in 1883, uh, it was, in fact, the first church in the world to have this arrangement, separate altars and altarpieces and chapels, distinctive chapels for every single mystery of the rosary. And to add to that, they built a, a chapel to St. Thomas Aquinas, one for St. Dominic, one for Our Lady herself, just Our Lady giving the rosary to St. Dominic, and one for St. Joseph. That's why there are 17 chapels altogether. Um, the, the church uh, was declared the rosary shrine for the Archdiocese of Westminster in 2016 by Cardinal Vincent Nichols. And so that's our current uh, mission, is to continue to preach the rosary, uh, something that Dominicans have been doing for centuries, but to continue to do it using the art and architecture and the beauty of this place. Now, you said one of the side chapels is Our Lady giving the rosary to St. Dominic, and I'm sure that you're aware of this, so the, the great controversy that surrounds this question, whether or not St. Dominic received the rosary from Our Lady, and do, do you wish to contribute to that dialogue, to that um, debate that exists uh, in the rosary <coughs> circles? Um, not particularly. I, I think I've said quite a lot about it um, as it is. I'm promoted general of the Holy Rosary, which means um, I'm a member of the general courier of the Dominican Order. I therefore work on behalf of the Master to promote the rosary um, within the Dominican Order, but occasionally also um, collaborate with people who want to promote the rosary uh, to the whole world, to the wider church. And I think I've already waded quite deeply into this controversy um, by stating that I believe the tradition that in some form the rosary is given to St. Dominic. Um, and I think Father Donald Calloway has done some good work in that area. Yes, he has. And I would, you know, I'm... I'm, con I'm quite convinced by what he has to say. I'm, I have to say I'm quite unconvinced by the argument from silence. Um, <clears throat> so the argument, as you know, is that St. Dominic never said anything about the rosary. He never said anything about Our Lady appearing to him. 
um, and we don't have any written records of this and so on. And it's all a rather late uh, in introduction to Dominican devotion and so on. Um, I think that arguments from silence uh, are often uh, used to, to disprove something, but I find it not quite convincing myself um, because the alternative is to say that a bunch of Dominicans at some point made up the story and falsified it and therefore are liars. And I don't like doing that. Sure. No, totally understandable. No, I'm a strong believer that St. Dominic received the rosary, that he's the promoter. I'm with you. I'm with Father Calway on all that. But some of the Mariological circles that I run in, I always hear the critique of, of uh, those positions. So the rosary, you know, it obviously is kind of like a little catechism. It's a walk through the scriptures. It, it helps us really to reflect on the life of Jesus uh, with the, through the eyes of Mary. St. Louis de Montfort says that praying the rosary uh, is a way in which that the common person can pray the Gospels, and they do so every day then. So if they don't pray the rosary, well, have you read the Gospel throughout that day? Um, what's the value of the rosary in your own life? Well, I think the rosary um, is a tremendous comfort to me. And... Many years ago, when I was a new Catholic, uh, I'm a convert from Protestantism, I remember a friend of mine saying to me that praying the rosary and that tactile quality of the beads that you hold in your hands is like holding Our Lady's hands, or rather being held by Mary. And sometimes that's all it is. As you kind of go through the rosary and pray those familiar prayers, but it's the fingering of the beads that is so important. I think that physicality is incarnationally important. And so I find that the rosary can be overly rationalized sometimes. Sister Lucia of Fatima always reminded us that the rosary is the simplest prayer. And the reason Our Lady asks us to pray the rosary is because it can be said by anyone, by children, as well as theologians and adults. And I think that um, I've often found that people struggle with the rosary because they tend to overthink it. They always say, am I doing this right? Am I thinking about the right things? Am I doing the right things? But oftentimes, that's not what it's about. I think it's about offering Our Lady this time with her so that we can, yes, at the best, meditate on the Gospels and on the mysteries of our soul. Um, God becoming man, God saving us by his cross and, resur and resurrection, and God taking us back to himself. If you like, that's the pattern exitus reditus that we find in the Summa Theologiae of St. Thomas Aquinas. And I think that the rosary with its three sets of mysteries, joyful, sorrowful, and glorious, unfold like a triptych to show that God became man so that man might become God, in the words of St. Athanasius. That is what the rosary is about, is a meditation on the wonders of salvation rather than, I think, purely looking at the Gospels. I think that it's unfortunate we begin to think of the Rosary in an, in an Ignatian kind of way, where we're meant to engage the imagination, and uh, if we were to think that the Rosary is like a news, it's like a film reel showing us the mysteries of Christ's life, I don't think it's so much that. I kind of see it more as just a pondering of the wonder of God becoming man, so that we might become divine, we can become sharers in the divine nature. And I think that that should be a comforting thought for anyone, um, and certainly brings me a lot of comfort as I pray the rosary 
uh, daily. And and I do aim for the 15, uh, to, you know, to pray all 15 mysteries in a day, um, as again, St. Louis-Marie de Montfort uh, recommended. Um, but at the same time, if I don't manage that, I'm very consoled by the words of Our Lady of the Rosary at Fatima, who asked the children to pray the terzo, which is a third of the rosary, which means five decades. I want to go back to the rosary shrine that you're the rector of and talking about praying the rosary, praying, you know, all 15 decades, praying maybe just five of those decades. Now, at the shrine, as you mentioned, these altars that are there, do you have Mm -hmm. a constant flow of pilgrims that might come in and they visit each altar and they pray each decade of the rosary there? Oh, I won't say a constant flow, but certainly there are pilgrims who do that. And uh, we certainly lead people in doing that um, once a week on Saturday, which is Mary's Day. Um, we have adoration after the morning mass. And then typically, uh, this is in the non-COVID times, typically we would then have a, a rosary uh, and we would move from one chapel to the next. We normally do just five mysteries. Um on certain occasions, such as in the month of the Holy Rosary, we'll do all 15, uh, and we have a vigil all night with the Blessed Sacrament exposed on the throne. Um, <clears throat> or other times we'd have, once a month, we do what's called a Eucharistic uh, Rosary procession, and we carry the Blessed Sacrament into these chapels, uh, normally five chapels at a time, giving a short little fervorino in each chapel as we meditate on the mysteries. So uh, we, there are different ways of doing this, I suppose, and we sort of introduce people to how these chapels are to be used. Uh, in the month of May, for example, this year, uh, because Britain was in lockdown, um, we had live-streamed rosaries every day, praying for uh, relief from the pandemic. And I prayed the rosary then in the different chapels of this of this shrine. And that way, the, all the viewers who are watching from around the world were able to see these different chapels and to have a better understanding of, of how we can use this sacred space. You know, one of my hopes is one day to visit this rosary shrine over there in England. Uh, I know that next year, please God, we're going. there's going to be a Marian conference that I'll be attending uh, somewhere over there in England, uh, put on by the Marian Center for Studies or something like that. But um, oh, yes. yeah, so I would love to be able to visit uh, the shrine and to really see the beauty of this uh, played out. Now, I hope you can, yes. You, you mentioned the pandemic and how during the month of May, you prayed the rosary during the pandemic live, allowing people to participate in the life of the rosary shrine. And uh, the, one of the things that caught my eye on social media was something that the Dominican Order is doing, in a sense, uh, because of the pandemic, that they are doing a triduum of penance um, for, from October 4th to the 7th, and that they'll be doing penance and prayer during the pandemic. And part of it is... Um, to offer to God these days of penance and prayer for these intentions and suffrage for those who died during the pandemic, for the intentions of their bereaved families, for those who continue um, to suffer and so forth. So um, can you just share a little bit about this triduum of penance that people will be experiencing or that the Dominican order will be doing and the Dominican family, but can anyone participate in this uh, three days of of prayer and fasting? Yes, well, certainly let let me begin by saying that anyone anyone can participate and we would love and i want to invite people to take part from from their localities wherever they are they can do it in their families do it by themselves or if they can tell their parish priest about it uh, or their local communities by all means do 
but it is principally in the first place an act of the Dominican family. Uh, the master of the order um, and through me, his rosary promoter, is asking first of all the Dominican family. That means Dominican friars, Dominican nuns, Dominican sisters, the apostolic sisters, the Dominican laity, as well as the secular institutes, the youth movement, and the priestly fraternities. This is the entire Dominican family throughout the world is being asked to participate in this. Now, this follows on from what was a rather successful um, rosary rally that I organized for the whole Dominican family back in April, on the 29th of April, the Feast of St. Catherine of Siena. And what we did then is we asked uh, the whole Dominican family to pray the glorious mysteries of the rosary uh, on the Feast of St. Catherine at 9 p.m. in their local time. And that seemed to work very well. We asked people to live stream it if possible. So there was a beautiful sort of wave, if you like, of live streams starting in Australia and coming across the globe all the way across to Alaska over the course of 24 hours. <clears throat> so that was uh, the first rosary rally we did to pray uh, for the relief of this pandemic. And uh, the nuns in Fatima, the Dominican nuns, wrote to me and thanked me for that and said, we need to do something else. How about something more? Uh, and they said, you know, don't forget that Our Lady of Fatima, she asked for us to do penance, right, and to fast. And so I wrote to the Master of the Order, and I suggested that we do a triduum of penance, starting on the 4th of October, because that's the Feast of St. Francis. And St. Francis is also one whom we call our Holy Father Francis. We, we see him as one of our spiritual fathers as well. And so I thought from the Feast of St. Francis to the 6th of October, that would be a nice three days of penance. The reason that we call it penance and not a triduum of fasting is because uh, we thought that maybe some of the older communities might not feel able to fast. Um, so we wanted to give that kind of you know, liberality so that people could choose, uh, so the communities could decide what was best for that particular community. And then after the three days of penance, yeah. on the 7th of October, which is the fourth day, really, uh, that's the Feast of the Holy Rosary, there will be, again, a rosary rally at 8 p.m. local time. Not at 9 p.m. as before, but 8 p.m. Again, asking people to pray the glorious mysteries of the rosary as a community or by themselves if they're lay Dominicans living at home, and to pray that uh, to, at 8 p.m. in their local time and to live stream it if possible. So again, I hope that we will see a wave of live streams throughout the world, starting again in Australia and coming right across to the USA. Um, the days of penance, I think, will be wonderful. Uh, it's very providential that we start on the 4th of October, because as you know, the day before that, our Holy Father Pope Francis is releasing his latest encyclical, uh, which I believe is going to be about solidarity and um, the brotherhood of human of humanity. And I think that that fits quite well with the idea of doing penance because we're offering this these days of penance, we're offering this prayer for the world, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, first of all, but also for all who are God's creatures, asking God to have mercy on us all. So there's a sense of solidarity that's found in fasting and in prayer. And I think it's, it's fitting and it's beautiful that the Dominican family can do this for the church and to use the rosary, which is a special heritage of ours given to, uh, to, to St. Dominic by Our Lady. 
And we know that during the pandemic, too, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, prayed the rosary and asked everyone to pray kind of in union with him, uh, the rosary at that time. And uh, Pope Leo XIII, in his many rosary encyclicals, would recount the stories of the power of the rosary over plagues, over um, wars, and all of these different ways in which people united in praying the rosary. That's the feast of Our Lady of Victory, of Our Lady of the Rosary on October 7th, the Battle of Lepanto. So uh, it is a, a very efficacious, a very powerful prayer, especially when we all pray in union, when we pray in common together. And uh, St. Louis de Montfort says that when you pray the rosary with a large group of people, you gain the graces of all of those rosaries. So if there are a hundred people praying together, a hundred graces that you, you if you want to typify it, but uh, that that really all of the graces of everyone praying together can really flood our world and hopefully truly bring an end to this pandemic that we're facing. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> we're, we're just on the brink of a, a second wave, if you want to call it that, here in Britain. And I think this is, again, opportune. This is God's providence. And uh, as we begin the month of the Holy Rosary, um, in Britain, we're starting something else called the, they, they're calling it a rosary whirlwind, asking p- parishes and communities throughout Britain to pray the rosary every single day in the month of October. And so this uh, Dominican Triduum of Penance and Rosary Rally uh, fits in nicely with that as well, um, as together in here in Britain, we are going to take up the rosary very seriously in this month of October, offering it to God. I'm using it as well as a spiritual weapon uh, to um, fend off, I suppose, the attacks of the evil one. I think that one of the things you do see at this time is a lot of division as well and a lot of problems in society as well as among Christians in the church and so on. And I think that's why we need to pray and to come together in prayer. Definitely. And it's wonderful that you are doing this as the promoter of the rosary for the Dominican order, as the shrine rector of the uh, rosary shrine there in England. And I hope people will join in. And my hope is, is to also join in the prayers that you'll all be offering. Yes, I I hope you will. And uh, if people forget the details, you can just go to op.org. That's our international website of the Dominican order. And the posters are there. Um, and it's available in French, Spanish, and in English. So those are the three official modern languages of the order. And we're hoping that people throughout the world will join us in this. Wonderful. And I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes, along with the link to the virtual tour that you talked about of the Rosary Shrine. So uh, before I let you go, Father, I would love to just do a, a little Marian profile with you, which is just going through a series kind of uh, rapid-fire questions about your own devotion to Mary and, and what might that comp- be comprised of. So uh, the first question is just, what is your favorite title for the Blessed Mother? Hammer of Heretics. Hammer of Heretics. That's great. And uh, and. I think St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he writes somewhere calling her the vanquisher of heresy. So uh, a very common title dating even back then. How about uh, a sacramental that you make use of? Uh, holy water. Okay. Um, bless, my water every, bless my room every night with holy water. Oh, beautiful. And that's a great devotion for people. 
Uh, there's lots of prayers to the Blessed Mother that people uh, have written throughout the years. Of course, the saints have written prayers to Mary. Common people have written prayers to the Blessed Mother. The Hail Mary comes to us from the pages of sacred scripture. Do you have a favorite Marian prayer? The Subtuum, because it's the most ancient prayer. Yes, um, I, I love the Subtuum myself. And when I was in Lourdes, they would um, they would actually sing the Subtuum during the month of October uh, because that was the request of our Holy Father a few years ago, was to pray the Subtuum after the Rosary prayer. Right. Well, again, he, he asked for it again in, in, uh, in April, I guess, and in May. And so when we did the May daily Rosary, I sang the Subtuum every day in the particular chant that is special to the Dominican order. Uh, and many people actually wrote in to ask what that prayer was. So it was a lovely chance to, to tell them about this beautiful ancient prayer. Beautiful. Now, we talked a little bit about the rosary and kind of people's difficulty with the rosary, uh, that sometimes maybe because it's repetitive or they don't know if they're engaging it to the meditation level. Uh, could you give a rosary tip to help people pray the rosary better? I would say stick with it. The most important thing is to commit to doing it, to praying at least five decades a day, and to try and do it slowly if possible. I mean, if you rush through it rapid fire, you're not going to get much out of it. But I think if we are committed to something and we have this kind of spiritual discipline, and we do it trusting that this is the prescription of our mother, and she only gives things to us because she loves us and she knows what's best for us. So if we do it with that childlike attitude of trust in our mother, that will be something that's greatly pleasing to Mary. Beautiful. And in terms of the Blessed Mother, she appears in the pages of Sacred Scripture. We meet her uh, at the Annunciation, for example, all these different events in her life. And is there a favorite Marian Scripture passage or, or quote of, of the Blessed Virgin from the Scriptures? Well, it has to be, do whatever he tells you. Um, and and I say that because uh, partly because uh, we have a beautiful rosary garden that we built at the back of Our Lady Chapel uh, to honor the five uh, luminous mysteries that Pope St. John Paul II uh, introduced. And I, we wanted to honor that and honor that great saintly Pope. So we have a luminous mysteries rosary garden. And in the centerpiece in that garden is this beautiful, specially commissioned uh, statue of Our Lady of Cana. And she is uh, gesturing towards us, and she's she's her lips are open, and she's speaking, and she's saying, "Do whatever he tells you." And yes, yeah, just perfect. I think there can be nothing more that we need to know. Just do whatever our Lord tells us to do. I actually believe that there should be a feast of Our Lady of Cana. That just as we have a lot of the different uh, biblical passages that are feast days, I think that Our Lady of Cana would be a beautiful uh, addition to the liturgical calendar. Yes, have, have you seen the statue of Our Lady of Cana that we, we I have, have here? No, I have not. But when I do this virtual tour at the Rosary Shrine website, I'll be sure to look for it. Okay, I'll be sure to send you one because um, it's not actually in the tour because um, it's out in the garden. Okay. Um, the, the statue has been done by an internationally um, renowned and well-respected Catholic sculptor, Cody Swanson. He's currently, I was just talking to him yesterday, he's currently working on new sculpture for the Benedictine monks at Norcia, the birthplace of St. Benedict, who are, you know had an earthquake there and they're now rebuilding their monastery, rebuilding the church. And he's been honored with the um, commission to do new sculptures 
um, in this beautiful Renaissance classical style that he specializes in for that place. And he did a beautiful image of Our Lady. I think probably one of the most unique uh, depictions because there aren't many sculptures I can think of of Our Lady of, of Cana. So I think, yeah, if, if there's going to be a feast, I'm, I'm all for it. That's going to be a great idea. How about uh, a favorite Marian apparition? <laughs> That's easy. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. Uh, I know you talked about Lourdes and Fatima, so I didn't know if that would be uh, one of them, but Our Lady Guadalupe. And uh, uh, how about a favorite Marian shrine? So I love pointing out the fact that these apparition sites are shrines. You can go to Lourdes, you can go to Fatima, that's a shrine. But then there are other shrines, and you're the classic example of the rosary shrine. So um, is there a favorite Marian shrine that you've visited uh, throughout Uh, the world? I I have a special... Well... If I choose one where Our Lady didn't appear, um, I would have to choose uh, the National Shrine, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Sure. Uh, I did my STL in Washington, D.C. across the road from the National Shrine. I was at the Dominican House of Studies, and I was a regular confessor and also said masses um, once a week at, at the National Shrine. So, you know, anyone who's being in D.C. and in part of the Catholic scene, as it were, in Washington, has a great love or grows to have a great love, I think, for the National Shrine. And, yeah, I I love that church and I love going to the crypt and adoring the Blessed Sacrament in the silence and in the cool of that crypt. Uh, It has great memories for me. So, yes, I think I would say that. It also has the most beautiful Guadalupe Chapel. And I offered Mass in the Dominican Rite in that chapel on my 40th birthday. So it has great memories for me. How about a book recommendation about the Blessed Mother? Oh, well. Um, this question <laughs> often catches people off guard. <laughs> I would say Secrets of the Rosary by Louis-Marie de Montfort. Um, that's a, a great book, and I, I enjoy reading it very much. And many people don't seem to know about it. They know about true devotion, of course, but... Um, this other book, I think, is is, is undiscovered. Um, so I would recommend that. Um, but otherwise, uh, as a modern, a more modern book, like a not, not a devotional book, um, I teach Mariology at our um, studium in Oxford. And a great book that I really enjoyed was Rand Petrie's book on Mary. On the Jewish roots of Mary, yes. Very, very good book. And, and all my students loved it, too. Yes, I I am a fan of that book, and I love uh, The Secrets of the Rosary as well by St. Louis de Montfort. In fact, I wrote a little rosary devotional called A Rosary Litany, which took the practice of Louis de Montfort that he recommended at the end of The Secrets of the Rosary, uh, Mm. this shorter form of praying the rosary to curb the distractions and enhance one's imagination by inserting that phrase after the name of Jesus, so this clausal form of the rosary. So I really helped to develop that by coming up with clauses for each uh, bead of the rosary mystery. So I was very touched by uh, that book, The Secrets of the Rosary. And and lastly, uh, is there a Marian song? So when we celebrate Mass on a Marian feast day, is there a Marian song you hope the choir will sing? Uh, That's difficult because I I love music and there's so much. But I think as soon as you said that, I thought immediately of the Ave Maristella um, in the Dominican chant, or I would say the Gregorian chant tune. Um, that tune is one of the great classics of the Gregorian repertoire. And, um, you know, 
Ave Marie Stella. And that tune, I think, um, is just something I always hope to hear on a Marian feast day. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure that's a Marian song, a Marian chant hymn that people are probably a bit unfamiliar with. But hail thou bright star of ocean, mother blessed. And it's a a beautiful uh, prayer and uh, a beautiful chant as well. Well, thank you so much today, Father Lawrence, for joining me, for talking about uh, the rosary, the rosary shrine, about your days of penance that the, uh, that the Order of Dominicans uh, will be doing. Um, if people want to learn more about you and your work, how can they do so? Um, certainly go to rosaryshrine.co.uk, or dare I say, you can just Google my name, uh, Lawrence with a W, Lawrence Liu, L-E-W. And um, that will give you access to my my sermons online and my photographs on Flickr uh, and my my Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of uh, Instagram as well. So all that I think will come up quite quickly. That's probably the easiest way. Sure, that's great. And I really do encourage people to check out your work, your pictures, uh, all that you're doing. You're a great priest of the church. And so thank you for for all uh, that you do to spread the word of God and to advance the kingdom of God. Thank you. Please pray for me and for for our work here at St. Dominic's. Definitely will do, especially through the intercession of Our Lady, Queen of the Holy Rosary. Thanks so much, Father. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you don't mind, please do me a favor. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. Leave a review. Share why you like this podcast. Share this podcast on your social media so that your family and friends might come to know the love that the Mother of God has for them, just as you have experienced it yourselves. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.